Welcome to The Catalyst, where we explore creative ideas to spark innovation in an unhealthy healthcare system. I'm your host, Dr. Lara Salyer, a physician and mom of three who is reimagining the way I practice medicine after suffering and overcoming burnout. Join me as I teach you how to optimize flow and catalyze your own revolution in healing. Tune in for candid conversations with leading experts in conventional and holistic healthcare who dare to believe a better future is possible for all of us. Life is made of teeny catalytic moments of immense impact. When strung together, the transformation is magical. Join us and let's color outside the lines. This episode is for you if you are an independent functional practitioner and you've ever uttered the phrase, I just can't seem to hire good staff. In this episode of Catalyst Podcast, it's a quickie solo cast with me, yours truly, and I'm going to share with you four things that you can do to level up and hire your ideal virtual assistant. You might be like me. Maybe you left traditional medicine. You escaped the system. Well, now you're working in a different system, the system of entrepreneurism, medical entrepreneurship. And it's a different flavor of shit sandwich that we have to eat, but it's exciting. You'll have peaks, you'll have valleys, you'll have good days and bad days. Some days you'll feel like you've got everything. Your A game is running seamlessly, and then you're overwhelmed and you're crushed under the weight of all the things you have to do. You may have listened to the advice ask who, not how. But the minute you try to hire somebody, you feel like you just wasted your time. Listen up. At the end of this episode, you'll know the four things you can do to ensure that you are hiring your next ideal virtual assistant. Okay, let's set the stage. And I'm going to set the stage by just giving a little personal history. When I opened up my micro practice years ago, I was in and still am in a small rural town in the Midwest who is naive with functional medicine. So finding staff that understood the different nuances of advertising, advocating, running, and shaping a functional medicine business was impossible. I had to do it on my own. And so I did. And what happened is after a while, I felt burdened with everyday tasks. I felt sort of just disenfranchised with the idea that I had to now be responsible for not just charting and patient care, but sweeping my office and taking care of ordering lab tests and shipping test kits. And soon I became familiar with that sense of burnout that I had so quickly escaped only a year before. So listen up. This is the problem that I see is we will hire We will then knee-jerk and reflexively look for a warm body to fill a space without proper planning. Please don't do this. I know we've all done this. You may think, oh, but I have a family friend who has a cousin or, oh, I worked with this person in another job years ago. They were great. Or, hey, it's my friend. They're awesome. I love eating pizza and nachos with them. Why wouldn't I like to work with them? But see, this is your baby. This functional business is your work-life masterpiece. It is supposed to reflect your own core values. So ideally, you want to create your own culture, your catalyst culture of change. And yours is unique. In order to do this, it's a holistic view of how you are as a person. How do you communicate? What are your preferences? What do you want to see in this vision of your masterpiece? 
oftentimes practitioners will share the anxiety they have with me saying, I just don't trust anybody to do it as good as I can. And that's a limiting belief. It's honest and it's true because guess what? As a medical practitioner, we're all recovering perfectionists. We're very enmeshed. Uh, We don't trust people. You know, we're told that we have to do things all by ourselves. We do it the best. Often we're the ones that were running the group projects in grade school and high school. We're good with responsibility. We're dutiful and we know how we want it done. It takes us longer to stop and explain how to do something than to just do it ourselves. So then that's what we do. And soon years down the line, we are frustrated because it feels like we cannot get ahead and it's too late to hire staff. Well, I promise you it's not too late. So let's talk about the four steps. Step number one, check those limiting beliefs at the door. Here's some of the common ones I hear. I don't need an assistant. Ah, I'll just do it myself. It's too complicated to explain. I can do it quickly anyway. I don't trust anyone to do it how I would like it done. I can't afford a VA because I'm in so deep. I have too many things to explain to them. I'm sure it would cost a lot to have their time. Now I don't have time to stop to explain. I'm so busy. I'm seeing patients and I'm burned out. This is the the life cycle of what happens. And your limiting beliefs can drive this. You might be fearful, paranoid, worried about maybe a story or a personal experience you had with embezzlement. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons to fear collaboration. I mean, harken back to fifth grade science when I we had a group project and many of us were the ones running the group project. And then we ended up in medical school and now we're running our own business. So we need to recognize you aren't going to rewire these limiting beliefs overnight. They will probably always be a part of your history and of your narrative, but you can recognize them and be aware and check them at the door and ask yourself, is it true that you don't need a VA? That's not true. Challenge yourself. Is it true that you can do it yourself and it's too complicated to explain to somebody? Start asking yourself, is this true? And if it's not, How could I start to just imagine, open your mind, practice that cognitive flexibility to imagine a different future where you did have somebody that understood what you liked, that followed your directions, and that made your life so much easier. We often are burnt from burnout. And I know personally, I was told years ago when I started medical school over 20 years ago that it gets better. It gets better when you're done with medical school. It gets better when you're an intern. No, it gets better when you're a resident. No, it gets better when you're out in your own practice because everyone will do things for you and help you. And it never got better because of the way medicine changed. We were not allowed to give verbal orders anymore. We were not, we were suddenly doing everything. So I got out and my solution may not be applicable to others on how they want to handle burnout. There's many ways, but for me, that was the choice I made. And so now checking your limiting beliefs and really being honest with yourself that you can imagine a different future and treat it like an experiment we're going to play, right? Play in this sandbox. A sandbox has boundaries. So you can allow yourself this experiment to hire a virtual assistant or assistant 
in person with specific boundaries, the outlines of this canvas that you're going to paint on. So after you've really challenged those limiting beliefs, step two is make a list of redundancies and wishes. And what I mean by that is keep a list at your desk. It could even be a hard list with a pen and paper. It could be a digital list on your phone. But anytime you come across something that feels so redundant or very elementary, or it feels like busy work, that deserves a spot on the list. Conversely, if you have a list of wishes, gosh, it would be awesome if I could get this done and I didn't have to do another newsletter again, or, oh, it'd be great if I didn't have to open up my social media, then put a list of wishes down that is a high ceiling of things you would love to have in your practice. Our brain loves automation. Our brain loves to not have to think about things again from the beginning. Imagine what your day would be like if you had to teach yourself how to put your shoes on and your pants and how to drive to work and how to operate a car. Your brain learns and goes over those neuroplastic grooves over and over again to make things easier. This is why e-commerce is so successful when they have an option to say, here's your order history. Do you just want to reorder the same things in your Sephora account? Yes, please. I mean, if I could, I would love for somebody to do grocery shopping for me. I hate doing it, even though I probably buy about 80% of the same foods all the time. We need to have the same mentality in our business to streamline, to make it more efficient. You need to make a list. What are some of the things that you do over and over again? I'll tell you what was on my list early on. My very first list was ordering test kits. It was newsletter creation and sending it out. And I use active campaign, but there's many options out there. What else in my redundancies? Oh yeah. Educational things for patients, like how to find their information in their medical records or when to expect their tests to come in or how to collect a test. I would find the resources from that lab company and I would create a template that explained to them visually and both written where they could find this information and what to expect. Many times we are disappointed or angry or frustrated simply because we didn't know what to expect or we had the wrong expectations. So I became like an expectation detective and I would go through all of my systems early on and try to frame things very clearly for patients. You should expect it takes 10 to 14 days once the lab has your kit for them to give me the results. You don't need to contact me because as soon as I get the results, I will be filming a lab interpretation video and you can expect a message in your EMR, which will then contain the video and a link to make your follow-up appointment. You see, I framed each expectation and I started making this list of these redundancies that anytime a patient had feedback, I thanked them. Even if the feedback hurt or felt a little prickly, I thanked them because it's brave. It's a gift to get feedback. And that helped me shape my practice. So then I would add that to my list. You know, if patients kept complaining about the same thing, I did my hardest to figure out maybe I need to hire somebody to help me with that. Maybe I need to find a way to automate that to make it a little more easy and streamlined. Okay. So we've covered step one is check your limiting beliefs. Step two, start making a list. 
What is redundant in your practice? What do you wish could be there? You might have them on separate lists, but you got to start somewhere. The third step, start writing SOPs, standard operating procedures. I know, scary word. I didn't know what it was when I first started. You see, scary secret in medical school, they don't teach you how to run a business because they don't want you to be independent. They want you to be an employee in the big factory of medicine. And that was great for a while for me. It paid the bills. It was predictable. It was consistent. But my core values shifted. My core values shifted from predictability and consistency to adventure, creativity, growth, expansion, authenticity. I wanted something to reflect me. And so I had to change. SOPs were a foreign word to me early on. I had no idea what that meant until someone unpacked it for me and said, big corporations will have big binders of standard operating procedures so that when a staff is out sick or there's a new person, they can just give them the binder and say, uh, you'll find it here. There's tabs and indexes and chapters. And I thought, oh boy, how am I going to do that? Well, guess what? It's super easy now with technology. In fact, this next thing I'm going to talk about, I wish I had six years ago, but it wasn't around. And so I hand wrote my SOPs in a Google document and I kept them organized into folders. Like here is social media stuff. And some of the things I wrote in there is common hashtags I liked or the social media channels, how to get into those accounts, how to access them, what kind of colors I like, what kind of humor, who do I follow? What kind of articles and topics am I interested in? I wanted to create like a mini me. I wanted this next assistant to be able to step into my shoes and access my things. Using an app like LastPass is great because they don't have access to your password, but they can still get into your accounts and operate as you. So I started looking at writing these SOPs. How do you order a lab test from this company? I wrote it down in a Google document, put it in a Google folder titled lab test. Pretty easy. But now you can use tango.us. And, you know, I don't have any sponsors on this podcast, but Tango, if you're listening, I'd love to hear from you because it is life-changing. Tango.us is a screen share app that is free. It's on your desktop. It will watch you create an SOP. In other words, you hit the record button. It's as easy as clicking one button. Then you go about doing the task. For example, if you're ordering a lab test kit, you just go to the website. You log in, you click order, you put it in the cart, you put the patient's address in, whatever you do. All the while, Tango is watching this and capturing screenshots and writing out the instructions so that when you click stop, it curates an SOP for you that is both visual and written. So it helps encompass all learners. I'm a visual learner. I like pictures. And all of my old SOPs from very beginning are all written because I didn't have Tango. I wish I had Tango. I would really encourage you to look at it now if you're stuck. And maybe you already have staff and you have assistants, but you're just like, I don't have time to sit down and explain it. Just do it once. Have Tango record it. And then you can laterally slide it over to that virtual assistant or regular assistant. That is the best way for them to read your mind. There's no question. There is no way that they can't not understand when it's written and there's pictures. So there's your step three, start writing SOPs. And if you have a long list and you're scared and overwhelmed that you'll never get done, 
chunk it out. Remember consistency. Time is passing, whether you like it or not. So pick one, one a week, one a day. Just start knocking them out. Prioritize which ones are most important. Which is the one SOP that is that domino to knock down? Because if that one could be automated, it would take so much more off your shoulders. And see, this is where the beauty of exponential growth happens. The more you're doing this, you actually get rewarded exponentially more time back with each little SOP that you're able to laterally shift to somebody else. You get more time back. So it's exponential. And your growth feels even more immense. It's exhilarating. So step one was check your limiting beliefs. Step two, make a list of your redundancies and wishes. Step three, you're writing your SOPs now for step four. Building your communication loops. Very important, right? Burnout happens when we feel like we are not personally in this job or career or relationship. We don't see ourselves in there, in our core values. Maybe they're misaligned. It also happens when we don't see achievement. We're not making progress, or at least we can't sense it. There's no feedback. And then we become emotionally exhausted. Those triad of symptoms, that's burnout. And you don't want to burn out your staff. You don't want to burn out your VA. So you build communication loops, which is feedback. That is crucial. Everybody on this earth is like a little toddler wanting a sticker chart making sure we're doing everything okay. And so what you'll do is when you hire that VA, you give a 30-day onboarding trial. It allows an easy out if it's not a good fit because within 30 days, actually within two weeks, most people will be able to say, oh my gosh, yes, I got this. And then you will be able to see how coachable, adaptable, and easy it is to work with that VA. And if it doesn't work out in 30 days, you have an out. Oftentimes when it doesn't work, The VA or the freelancer is the first one to step up and say, yeah, I can tell. I I don't think I'm quite fitting the description of this job and I'm going to step down. It really is a mutual ability to have a very adult conversation of whether they're a good fit or not. Remember, no one reads minds. So you can't just hire a VA, hand over your SOPs and say, see you later, and then wonder why things are getting missed, or maybe there's overlooked things, or maybe there's a glitch. You have to continually communicate. And you can do this mostly asynchronously, which I highly recommend. You don't need to have day-long meetings. You don't need to see them all the time. You don't even need to be in the same room. Most of our communication is done best when it's asynchronous, when I can fully show up to a task and give it my devoted attention when it's not thrown on my desk in between patients and I'm interrupted and I have to semi try to wrap my head around what the question is. And that's how most medical clinics run. You know, people are in and out running something by the doctor or the practitioner. And that is not a good use of our mental power. Our cognition's like a battery and it drains slowly as the day goes on. So I like to devote my attention when it's right for me. And then it's more powerful and productive. I use the Google comment section for Google Docs. So if I'm looking through something, I can put a comment in and address it to that assistant and they can read it when they're ready. Let's be honest, not many emergencies happen when you absolutely need to communicate with them right now. They can make a time for themselves when their brain is fresh to go over those comments and address them then. 
Also Trello. I communicate with my assistants using Trello. Trello is an online app that you can use like a Kanban board. It's like a bulletin board and you can make different cards. You can prioritize different things. You can add things in from your Google Drive. You can set deadlines. You can assign people tasks. It's a fantastic way to organize your whole business. And so I communicate via the Trello board. I don't need to email my assistant all the time or have ongoing Slack channels. That would disrupt my ability to focus and get into flow. So we will comment on little tasks that might need eventual attention. And then when my brain is fresh and I'm ready to look at those responses, I just look at my email that notified me that my assistants have a comment or question on Trello and I go and I discuss it via another response. But I do still recommend live meetings. All this asynchronous communication is great to build this catalyst culture where you feel like you have boundaries, you're very flow-centered, and everybody feels like they have a seat at the table. It's a very innovative way of running a medical clinic, and it's great, but those in-person or live Zoom meetings are just that wonderful added touch. You get the personal touch. They go so quickly. Most of our meetings are 15 minutes and it's just the high level touching points. You know, maybe a quick visual on something, uh, narrating something that would take too long to type. But through this cadence, these steps have been able to help me work with many different virtual assistants, all with different tools and great skills but also able to say goodbye. It was great working with you on this project. I'll see you later or more long-term assistance that are just really a great fit. So don't be scared. Don't be scared of outsourcing. Do not be scared of hiring staff. Do not fear that nobody can do it as good as you. Quite the opposite. My assistants do things way better than I could have. They have blind spots that are unique compared to mine. So they notice things that I don't. And they're able to make things even better than I could have imagined. And this is how you have small, tiny changes that can catalyze massive growth and expansion. So start by checking those limiting beliefs. Make a list of your redundancies. Start writing SOPs using Tango and build your communication feedback loops. So everybody's on task, on the same page, and feels like a part of a team. And that is how you are a catalyst. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode. As a physician who survived burnout by prescribing my own creativity, I couldn't help but diving deep into all the neuroscience at Flow Research Collective. And now I use this with my functional medicine to help people reimagine a better work-life masterpiece in a world where burnout will always exist. I hope you join me. I have many ways to get involved. We have the premium subscription box service. If you are a functional integrative practitioner, that is something that is gold. It's like a mini mentorship delivered right to your inbox once a month. In your first welcome box, you get access to over 59 editable infographics in Canva. And these are functional medicine specific from all different topics, mitochondria, hormones, neurology, all sorts of topics, but they're editable. So you can add your logo, you can change the colors, you can change the text and everything is nuanced for you. In addition, your first welcome box includes a complimentary mentoring session with me, a free copy of my Right Brain Rescue, also a lot of other goodies. Each month, 
in each subscription box delivery, you will get a fresh new, never seen before editable infographic. And then you will also get private vaulted recordings of my studio time masterminds in my Catalyst Studio. This is where I I mentor practitioners on how to build their ideal work-life masterpiece. We talk strategy and tactics from social media to discovery call conversions, to group visits, to membership tiers. This is where we talk real details and you get a private podcast recording from my mentorship. So please consider checking out the premium subscription box and it will change your world. You can head over to drlarasalier.com forward slash shop and keep coloring outside the line.